0: Welcome to Sudbury Scrub, a 4K podcast for the Sudbury community, Season 4. And I am joined today in this very special episode by Mr. Justin Landry. Say hello, Justin. Hello, hello. Um, We actually, Justin's got his hands on the new uh, Space Marine Codex. And considering that, you actually did really well at the recent Saltfest 2020 tournament. And yeah, you're gonna be I, I'm
1: still a bit salty about that tournament <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: but you did pretty well overall like you know you went went two and one and I think the one that you lost actually you still put up some pretty good numbers uh, and well, you're one, going to the be having happy... lost
1: so Ken may ended up winning the tournament and in hindsight uh, I I thought about that game there were a number of mistakes across the board on my part like forgetting auspec scan to sh- decimate a unit, uh, a bunch of stuff with terrain where it was kind of like a bowling alley of shooting. Oh. But in hindsight, if I, if I had played that game a little better, I think actually it would have been a much closer match. So I'm happy with what, with how I did, especially all of us being with scrubs to ninth edition.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. But also you're going to be running the grinning demon soon. And so I figured you would probably be one of the best people to get in touch with regarding Uh, Somebody that's got a kind of a pulse. They they got their fingers on the pulse of the community, of the Space Marine community here in Sudbury. I think you're going to be a great guy to talk about this new Space Marine Codex with. Uh, And actually, speaking of the Grinning Demon, uh, would you like to plug it right now?
1: Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Shameless plug here. Um, So we filled up in two days. So I'm doing a a 20-person RTT event. It's called the Grinning Demon Quarterly and this all came from the idea of uh sudbury Sudbury has been missing maybe a a more regular competitive tournament scene and i thought to myself i want to run the kind of tournament i've always wanted to play in so in december there's a uh, a tournament for we're gonna go with a very structured kind of nova style terrain with line of sight blocking uh, along the middle um and, and Really what I'm going for is the competitive players to come out and for people to, to kind of test their mantle against, you know, top armies. And and that's my theme is I, I really want to go for something where we could run one every three months and gear up for like a GT at the end of the year. And that GT would be basically as many people want to show up as i can fit in the the hall and uh, the idea is to maybe bring something to sudbury that we haven't had for a long time which is a a regular tournament scene so with those tournaments plus the one you do the beer and pretzel and then the one austin might be doing every year we'd be looking at you know maybe six sanctioned tournaments a year in sudbury which isn't too bad
0: no i i think it's a really really sexy idea especially because You know, we'll be able to, like you said, kind of really try to put to the forefront, like, hey, let's really improve the quality of play in Sudbury. See what we can do. And then, heck, for myself, once this whole COVID thing is over, I really want to do a two-day teams event. I want to try to get some people in Sudbury to want to send a team to some of the other ones that are going to be happening elsewhere. And we could really show off. We got some amazing talent here. And I think we could really show it off.
1: Well, and on that note, too, I don't think I've ever seen Sudbury or or Sudbury have a healthier community. Uh, When I was out at the beer and pretzel, the second heat, we had so many guys showing up. Everybody's in good spirits. You know, everybody was having a great time. And it's been a long time since I've seen so many people like it it took, what, literally 48 hours for a 20 person tournament to be just filled up. And I I have people on a wait list now.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. It is it is truly amazing. I think I agree with you. We've, despite the pandemic, uh, we've had this is the best I think I've seen the community ever. And speaking of, uh, let us all make sure everyone listening uh, offer up a prayer to Grand Poppy Nurgle. Uh I know for myself, I'm once this interview is done, I'm going to try to release the biggest fart I've ever had, and hopefully we'll keep the COVID at bay that way. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's heresy. <laughs> oh, spoken like a true Space Marine player. Jeez. And see, this is why I got you on here. Because I I don't play Space Marines. So this is why I need someone to really kind of bounce my thoughts off of and kind of get the idea, like, hey, how do you think this is all going to affect Sudbury? So I'd like to actually, if we could start off, uh, you've got the new codex. I don't have the codex. I've just, I've gone from all the, you know, the interwebs and seen what people are talking about, which can always Really over some things and really not talk about some other things. I'm hoping you and I, we can kind of quickly go over, uh, at first, let's go over the new units and really kind of get an idea of what we can start to see in Sudbury. Um, the first one would be, I think, uh, the, the one I'm most ex- excited to speak about are the Heavy Intercessors. Because you got a whole squad now in Gravis armor, three wounds each, Toughness 5. These guys look chunky.
1: And I think they are they're they're kind of your backfield objective holders Even if you want them on the front line, they have gravis armor. They're tanky uh, A lot of people are super excited about these with my style of play I don't really I don't think I'm gonna go invest heavily into them. I might buy five uh, to, to just have and, and maybe paint up have on the board uh, but If you want to hold an objective, those guys sitting in the backfield, they're going to be really hard to shift, especially if your whole army is Gravis armor. Um, There's some chunky boys.
0: Is there any way that, outside of playing like Raven Guard, where you can kind of do, you know, shenanigans, is there any way to get those Gravis guys up to the objectives faster? Because they are slower. They're only five inch as opposed to six, and they can't get into normal transport. Exactly.
1: So with uh, some of the hits to um, Primaris Transports this edition, or with this book, Heavy Intercessors, really the the best way would maybe be sticking them in Tactical Reserves, and then turn two, you're moving out of a board edge. But yeah, like if you advance with them, you can't shoot them because they're heavy weapons. They took a lot of mobility hits, so I I think that is your unit where you're going to want to like backfield camping and maybe using it to screen out your backfield you take a five man unit space them out two inches apart you get a good coverage for like preventing people from jumping into your backfield but i don't feel like they're that front line uh screening unit that intercessors are really good at doing is um is staying in front and screening out incoming charges
0: etc Okay, so uh, yeah, maybe we'll see some folks run these out just to kind of have a fun all-gravis force, but maybe not going to be seeing these guys quite as much as some of the interwebs talks. Um, yeah, some
1: people are super excited about them, and maybe I'm missing something. They have wicked guns, don't get me wrong, but they're expensive, and core, or sorry, uh, troops i have taken a huge hit where we've seen a lot of the competitive Space Marine Armies just minimizing troops and taking all that other wicked stuff that they can fit in.
0: Yeah. All right, well, let's go ahead and move on then to another one that people are talking about, like mad. <laughs> Eight wounds, toughness five, a whole lot of movement. And likely, if you take a squad of this, it's going to take up like a whole 25% of your deployment zone. Squads of these ATVs.
1: Yeah, so uh, a lot of people hate the Super Mario Kart. I mean, oh, they
0: they totally look like Mario um, Kart, a hundred percent.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, th- so they don't like the look of it. I, I think it's kind of cool. It reminds me of Halo, personally, with the Warthog. I can see that. But yeah, so it, this was this is the kind of vehicle that fills a role much like the uh, Landspeeder Tempest, right? Like this is your engage on all fronts vehicle this is your uh speeding to the backfield and and trying to steal an objective from somebody who just has one model camping on it so
0: you know i had never i had never even considered that
1: this guy is pretty wicked it's 80 points you get an eight shot catlin cannon you get like a billion shots from its auto rifle Uh, i love it but Something to be weary of. Some people are going out and they're <laughs> dropping 300 bucks and they're buying six of them because there's a, a silly combo, right? And we all know what it is by now with the apothecary. Oh,
0: God. That does seem silly.
1: Yeah. So, like, where you can heal one, revive a dead one at eight wounds. Uh, and that's a, a basic chief apothecary with you spend a CP CP for his. Uh, his but it's free trade. for the chief apothecary. But I've seen from people, so tabletop titans do the playtesting for a lot of Warhammer stuff. The scuttlebutt is that that is going to be FAQ'd. There's no way that that's going to hit and stick around for more than like a week or two. Uh, and and I'm leaning towards the side of like that that rule has to be FAQ'd. Because like in its current iteration, the way it looks is you can heal an ATV and then bring back to life another eight wound ATV every turn.
0: Well, you know what? It's kind of interesting that you mentioned the secondaries because I hadn't even considered just how effective two of these guys or two squads of these guys could be in scoring things like line breaker, things that are not necessarily really good for Marines to take because they usually want to try to create a little kind of castle and they have a hard time kind of breaking out this this unit really can get out there a single one of these can get out there into a deployment zone fo- the whole unit in the deployment zone which is an important caveat of those new of those secondaries. Uh, and oh, it can crazy, actually survive the crazy thing over there. About
1: White Scars won because they have the biker keyword. White Scars have a bunch of stratagems that make bikers harder to kill. So you got two of these things zipping around the board. So engage on all fronts. Well, that looks like a maximized 15 points. Uh, Other, like board control wise, screening potential for, for pushing out, like. people who have uh, traditionally deep striking or concealed position armies you could just zip these guys out turn one and block off half the board
0: yeah so I know one person that he's already trying to figure out ways to convert some stuff into ATVs he doesn't like the look of the new ATVs but he thinks the rules are absolutely crazy you think that a lot of we're going to be seeing in Sudbury a bunch of these guys coming out at least at first and then we'll see what happens once an FAQ drops
1: Right. And actually, there's a really cool, you were talking about a conversion. I saw a dude online take uh, his old land speeders and convert those into ATVs.
0: That's cool. I don't yeah, know. Yeah,
1: stuck some wheels on there, put the Onslaught Gatling gun. Yeah. And they look really cool. They're like
0: an enclosed Doom buggy almost. I could see that. That would look a lot better. All right, let's keep moving because otherwise, this episode's going to be forever. <laughs> um, okay, I want to kind of combine the next two into one talk. Storm Speeders and the Gladiator Tank. These are some of the new vehicles that are coming out for Primaris stuff. Storm Speeders are obviously the land speeder kind of replacement, a lot more expensive just from the power level I saw. I don't know quite about the points. And then the Gladiator's kind of a Predator replacement. Both of these units, out of rare exception, you don't usually see these guys on the tape, like the basic, the the Firstborn version of them a whole lot, Um, Do you think we're going to see these kinds of units coming out at all?
1: Yeah, so I guess I'll I'll be short and sweet about it, but I'm not too excited about the Storm Speeders. You're looking at, like, 150 points for the cheapest iteration, and they they all have, like, this weird, like, one of their guns is 36, one of their guns is 24. So you're always going to be, like... What distance should I be placing them at? Or you're going to be shooting at different things with different guns on the field. They just don't seem like they fill a role that needs filling. Uh, and then with the Gladiator tank, um, all I'm going to say is Gladiator Reaper. Uh, that's the only iteration you're probably going to see on the board. And it's, it's actually pretty silly. Um,
0: what makes so it silly? For-
1: So for 230 points, uh, this thing's pumping out close to... I think when I was looking it up, it's like 26, strength 6, AP 1, damage 1 shots. So this thing's on the field, it's going to clear hordes. That's the only one you might see popping up. I don't think the other ones are are anything crazy. Oh sorry, actually no, 36.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, that that's going to just annihilate hordes. Not something you see too much of, but it's definitely something I've got my eye on. For sure. Yeah,
1: yeah I, I could be doing math wrong. I'm a space marine. I don't really
0: know that. <laughs> ah, How much sure. math do you need to do? You just shoot and kill, right? I mean, it's easy. <laughs> uh, all good. All right, uh, Primaris Chaplain. I think we're going to see a whole... Uh, I think we're going to see bolos. I think every single army is going to have the Primaris Chaplain on a bike. I don't know, Outrider Chaplain? What do we call this guy?
1: No, I know, like that Outrider, like the Chaplain's getting so many buffs, I've never used a Chaplain in any, like in the 15 years i played Space Marines, I've never used one, so I'm gonna have to learn, but that Outrider Chaplain actually, basically, we lost the Smash Captain, but
0: we gained the Smash Chaplain. (laughs) He is phenomenal, and already people are taking Chaplains all the time right now, because then you don't have to take the librarian because the buffs from a chaplain are amazing. And uh, if you take the librarian, then you can't take the Abhor the Witch secondary. So it's like, he's kind of like, well, I take him because then I still get these like buff abilities or targeted uh, uh, buffs or whatever, just, just like in many ways, like a Psyker, but without actually being vulnerable to Psykers and without actually getting a victory point bonus against Psykers. Uh, and his only weakness before, was sometimes getting outpaced by the units he was with especially with the change to core coming around uh, you know that was definitely a threat but with this guy on a bike who cares if he ends up kind of flying a bit ahead of guys for a moment he's just going to end up perfectly behind them in the exact right spot as soon as he's done his buffs
1: oh exactly like that him on an outrider bike is just silly Um, because now he has some firepower with him to uh, but there is a stealth nerf that kind of happened to him where, because, because of the new way everything declared on your army roster, right? In tournament play, you're really going to see only maybe three or four litanies ever picked. Some of them that are very situational will never get picked because you don't know what situation you want to play in all-comers list, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's so so that- like
1: the one to prevent mortal wounds. I don't think you'll ever see that one getting picked in, in real play unless you you know you're playing against your friend who brings like you know five wards of change and you know you need that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, second last new model, um, the Hammerfall Bunker. I think this thing. Well, you tell me your thoughts first. Let's go quickly through it because I think it's silly.
1: I wish it had deep strike. If it had Deep Strike, it would be so cool because you could friggin' like Deep Strike the, and in the war it says it, that's how they deploy it. But then we see the rules and it just kind of sets up on your side of the field. You can't put units in it. You know, I, you can't Deep Strike it. It can't move. It, it's cool looking, but I, I don't think it'll ever be played. But there's one decent rule where it shoots everything it can see. It doesn't have a number of shots or number of guns. It shoots once at everything
0: it can see. So I remember a a rule very similar to that. I think you you were even back around in I know you were around in fourth edition. You may have even been around in third edition. I can't quite remember that. Yep. Yeah.
1: I I started with that box set that has Dark Templar on it.
0: Oh, I remember you you played you you played Space Marines of some variety or another forever, and I also. I'm, I'm going I'm to poke at you here because this is, this is my show, and I get to do that. I don't think I've ever seen you play a fully painted army okay. <laughs> in the okay, fifteen so years first I've known of you. All, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Second of
1: all, I'm
0: trying. You're trying. You know I'm what? Trying my best. You, you are trying a lot, and I totally appreciate the reasons that you haven't. You've always had a hard, uh, rough schedule. You've always been busy. I do get it. I'm just honestly making. I'm just having fun with you there. Oh, of course, of Yeah, course. Anyway, but, uh, yeah, no, the, the, not being able to deep strike is a huge thing. I think being able to shoot at everything sounds really great, but especially with how much terrain there is in the game now, it's going to be hard to find a spot. And when you do find a spot, I don't think your, your shooting lanes are going to be that great. So on paper, like on Planet Bowling Ball, this thing sounds ridiculous. Shoot at everything, 36, you know, just the whole army, right? But on, on, in practice, I think this thing's not going to get out a ton of shots. Definitely not a high ton of quality shots. And it's not going to get out the amount of shots that you think that it's going to get just by looking at Because when I first saw it, I thought it was going to be ridiculous having like eight heavy bolters. But then it turns out, no, it's actually only ever going to fire one heavy bolter at a unit. So
1: Yeah, it had a lot of potential. Like, just say, um, and, and if this thing explodes, mind you... It does D6 mortal wounds. Oh my god. Around it, this
0: so thing is, is a powder yeah,
1: keg. Yeah, it kills your own army if it <laughs> dies. But the, the cool thing is, it had potential, but it doesn't have the rules that would make it really cool.
0: I'm actually kind of happy about that, personally. <laughs> okay, last model of the new models. Now, it's for a unit that already exists, but the Eradicators are getting that multi-melta everyone's been talking this up having even more melta shots from these guys um but i don't know i mean like did eradicators really change in points or anything like that
1: uh same point cost They're war gear so it, it costs a little bit of points to give them these new souped up multi melta's um but i mean personally uh, i'm not gonna take them like their standard loadout is already silly like i, I don't need to take it they're you don't need to waste points on doing more across the field and Points at something and it dies, is is good enough. Yes. Some people might uh, do that one upgrade, but it changes the the squad dynamics. So now you'll have two assault weapons and one heavy uh, heavy, heavy weapon. So,
0: and so one you know what that really reminds me of. It really reminds me of back in third and fourth and fifth editions, back when people used to like take a vehicle or squad, and you know we were all younger back then, and you just load you bought every upgrade for the unit even if it was useless and not realizing you always thought, Oh, it's just one point, just five points, just whatever, not realizing that once you did that across your whole army, you were just playing at a points deficit the whole time. And that kind of sounds like what this feels like. Like you're already so good at killing something with these melta guns or, or not melta guns, whatever the primary ver- version there is. Like, do you really need the multi melta to do that much more that you're paying more points for? And like you said, is a heavy weapon, so it has a very different dynamic. I I agree with you. I don't think it's necessarily the right way.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like the melt, same thing. Melta rifle or heavy Melta rifle, but they're essentially just meltas. Um, yeah, I, d- I don't think the inner or the eradicators needed anything else. You may see a couple niche lists that want to run it or think it's cool, but the Melta rifle, as it stands, is just probably one of the best guns you could field, So I went and changed their loadout.
0: There we go. All right, so the next thing we're going to cover, that covers all the uh, main units. Uh, I think the next fun thing to talk about would be the CP economy of the list, because this is something that we're going to see every single player that plays Space Marines, they're going to have a whole new dynamic for how they, not for how they get and spend CP, but rather at the start of the game, how much CP they're going to have. And that's really going to have a big impact, I think, on how a lot of people are just going to play them like whether it's somebody new to the game in town or a veteran at the game just from how many how much by the limitations they imposed with the new like how many extra relics and extra warlord traits you can get but also the fact that you're paying points now for upgrading some of these characters i think it's really changing that
1: exactly so we saw um chapter masters cost two cp uh War of the Spider and Psychic Awakening brought in traits where upgrading our other guys costed more CP. And, you know, my Iron Hands started the game with, with six, and that was even being kind of conservative. That
0: was. Most, I, to take. I almost like, never saw a, a Space Marine player start with six CP. Almost all the time. They were starting with like three or four, or even sometimes zero, which sounded like a crime.
1: Oh, yeah. The, sal- the competitive Salamanders list start with two because they stick things in tactical reserve, they have a bunch of relics. Uh, now the way it works is so we pay points for the upgrades and then if we want to take the warlord trait or the relic, then it costs CP. And now with the way that they tweaked our additional relic and our additional warlord trade uh, stratagems, we can have up to, in a and this is in a 2,000 point strike force game, we can have With our warlord, up to three warlord traits and up to um, three relics, because our warlord gets a free one of each, and then we could pay for an additional two of each.
0: Yeah, yeah. So So
1: you're looking at in in a you know 12 CP you start with, really the least you're going to be on the table with is six, unless you stick seven tactical reserves. So. In general, unless you're really kidding out your dudes and you want every relic and every world trade, you're gonna see armies that usually started with four now get eight command points, maybe even nine command points, or Gullyman's gonna be walking around with friggin' fifteen every game.
0: Yeah, I I and I think that's fantastic because I think there's a lot of there were a lot of underutilized cool things about Marines that people weren't doing just because they blew all their command points way too early. Before the game even started.
1: Yeah, exactly. So Space Marines are one of those armies that some of them took a hit from the way the new CP rules work. Space Marines had like a shadow buff, and then another buff with this new codex, where now we have like a playable amount of CP we could use our tragedies.
0: Yeah, for sure. All right, so uh, the next thing I think we're going to talk-, talk about is kind of get a a brief look at all the different kinds of ultra uh, not ultra (laughs) all the different kind oh some people won't be happy with me on that uh all the different kinds of marines that there are out there because i think in cyber we actually have a really healthy um diversity of space marine type players i've seen like with the exception of i think black templar crimson fist um flesh terrors and Death Watch. So with those four exceptions, with almost all those being like, you know, sub-faction or or, or, uh, second founding chapters as opposed to the first founding chapters, uh, and one of them being Death Watch, I've seen every other iteration of Space Marine within the past year, not even like overall, just within the past year, I've seen Blood Angels, White Scars, Salamanders, Iron Hands, all of them. So let's kind of go through them. Uh, First one that came to my head was Blood Angels. So t- Yeah,
1: so um Blood Angels, they're they're gonna be those people who they at the end of ninth edition they came from behind, they weren't really seen much, and then they start winning. And I think moving forward, they're pretty spooky.
0: Uh they got plus one to charge, plus one, one to advance. So
1: now advance and charge rolls uh get yeah, plus one to
0: plus one to each stuff can
1: advance and charge in the same turn so there's characters that get the ability there's the stratagems that are going to be reworked to give that to them so they get like a a, it's like they're they're as fast as white scars but they're going to be hitting a little bit harder than white scars even so they've abandoned shooting they just want to hit you and hit you hard
0: i'm not not sure if they're going to abandon shooting i find that their big thing whereas white scars actually travel across the table Blood Angels want to just kind of show up wherever they want. So I see, like, in a lot of ways, they're going to play, like, if you're playing a defensive list, they're going to be just as fast as White Scars. But if you're playing right. a more aggressive list, I am I think you're, I mean, getting the plus one to the charge is a huge deal. Especially oh, yeah. a keeping, you know, Descent of Angels and stuff like that. But the, I don't think the army is going to be as um, shackled by it. You know, they're going to be able to take more risks and bring down more than one unit a turn. Well, so
1: the big thing is they lost their Sanguinary Banner, which was a five-up feel-no-pain for everything within six inches, which is insane. And I actually think it's a good idea that Games Workshop took that away from us because it made like things like Death Guard or things like Necrons feel less special for having that ability and paying a lot of points for it. Yeah. But but the other thing I want to drop is two-wound Death Company. Oof. So you're gonna yeah you're gonna have like 30 to 40 wounds flying across the table who want to die
0: you know what i <laughs> here what i was just about to say so you think they're gonna be more of a glass can army but i mean death company death two wound death company i didn't even thought about that that's gonna be pretty cool all right yeah uh yeah, dark so angels with the
1: storm shield two wound death company could be two up save four up involved two wounds flying at you
0: across the Not table much can handle that yeah no uh all right dark angels Everything I've been hearing is they are the most changed out of everyone in the book. Their ability going from reroll ones to plus one is ginormous. And they're changed to the inner circle where they're now like their main characters and the Deathwing Terminators or other guys that have that Deathwing keyword. They're all uh, they all have transhuman physiology on them all the time.
1: Yeah. So, like, you I guarantee you could almost do a video because we have Dark Angels, then Death Company, or then, uh, sorry, Raven Wing, and then Deathwing. There's three armies in one, but anybody who plays Dark Angels must be just joyful with glee because of all of the updates that they've gotten um, from a very, very old army to, to now they could do almost anything. Uh, I never played Dark Angels personally, but, um... I'm I'm happy to see them actually get this update. They're they're very good right now.
0: Well, it sounds like they're really leaning into um, a... uh, What's it called? What's it called in Magic? There's a certain term for when you can really quickly switch between offense and defense. That seems like what these guys are going to be able to do. They're going to play a turn or two in defense, and then in an instant, bam, suddenly they're going to be in offense mode. And they're just going to be everywhere on the table. They're going to go from a little tiny castle to suddenly everywhere. That's that's what I'm sensing.
1: Absolutely. Like the idea well, you could build like a, a Ravenwing super mobile list. You could build a, a Deathwing incredibly tanky hard-to-shift list with uh Terminators getting a buff now with an extra wound. Or you could build like a, a all comers type army where you're shooting your close combat like they have a lot of special units and a lot of special abilities that are just incredible so i think you're going to see a resurgence i know there's two players at least in sudbury that are very happy with what they got
0: they are drooling almost as much as the space wolves. No, actually they're going to drill more than the space wolves the next one we're going to chat about here um these ones i while well, i think they Aren't gaining, from what I understand, they're not gaining as much as some of the others. They kind of gain something that's really going to radically change how the army is going to work. Why don't you walk us quickly through that?
1: Um, so one big one, Space Wolves. Uh, they were close combatty. They were dreadnought heavy. Now they doubled down on both of those with getting heroically intervened to your whole army, and uh, dreadnoughts getting a, a buff to be like the tankiest things in the, the codex um unchanged are white scars iron hands are pretty unchanged salamanders are a little bit worse off than they were but i think that's a good thing because they were the best now they're just in line with everything else um and raven went or sorry raven guard got a, a pretty big nerf to uh their main stealthy ability um So I I think we're going to see less Raven Guard, less Salamanders, but in general, just a diverse display of, of everything.
0: Now, the one that you didn't really cover there, I think has a really big difference between the previous iteration and now, Ultramarines. The change from Gulliman and Calgar being almost identical, and then you kind of like just automatically went with the better one. I think there's a real difference now
1: how could i forget the avenging son himself i own uh 3 gulliman models cause i'm that crazy um yeah so gulliman let you reroll everything all the time before and he's virtually unchanged <laughs> so with this new buff to uh sorry nerf to chapter masters the way that works now is uh they used to let you reroll all hits in an aura now they let you reroll an aura of just ones, and then one unit they pick at the beginning of the command phase gets that reroll everything. Well, Gulliman's a Primarch, and as it should be, he still has that aura of reroll all hits. He has the Lieutenant aura of reroll all ones within six, and then he also has uh, a 12 inch aura for anything with the Imperium keyword to reroll all ones and that doesn't have the core keyword
0: that's big
1: everything gets that
0: everything i could see gulliman being taken as a supreme command like for an army of knights you could do it and he'll give them native reroll ones that's insane oh yeah If,
1: if you're not looking at like chapter tactics or synergy like in terms of the uh the it's pure ultramarines list. You could you could see things like imperial knights. You could put them in a, a tank line for imperial guard, or even a tank line for space marines. And what what was a, an ability we thought we lost? Gulliman says, "No, I still remember that. I'm you know twenty thousand years old. Don't bother me."
0: Yeah. So I think it is really interesting because you can take if you take Gulliman then you definitely are trying to say, okay, I want, I really want to kind of double down. If you're taking that aura, you want to use it, right? So you're going to end up taking these things that have a whole lot of firepower. Um, or you'll say, you know what? I want a, a smaller, scrappier force. Sorry, not a smaller, but I want infantry. And if you're going infantry that have the core keyword, then it's like, well, I might as well go then with Calgar. So it's like there's a reason to take one or the other all the time. If you go for a more tank list, less core centric list, then you want Gulliman. But if you go with a more infantry focused list, it looks like you're going to want to go with Kalgar. And I like that there's finally a difference.
1: Uh, I'm looking at like uh, that's one of the lists I'm kind of looking at for for upcoming tournaments. But I I love Gulliman in an infantry line too. Like the idea of Gulliman walking up the field with like 15 Eradicators is just ridiculous. Tickles you pink. <laughs> exactly. I won't make many friends with that
0: <laughs> But Kalgar, in terms of pure uh, aura buff effectiveness, is almost as effective, isn't he? In that style.
1: No, Kalgar lost that. So Kalgar's a chapter master now. He.
0: Oh, I see. Gullman gives full like rerolls.
1: Every other chapter master. Gotcha. So you got the FAQ, yeah.
0: Gotcha. Full rerolls as opposed to. That's right, select one unit for the rerolls.
1: Yeah, so he got that nerf where it's just one unit. In the FAQ, he, he became just like every other chapter master.
0: Right, gotcha. Okay, um, so overall, you know, big IQ, super high level. If you had to say, all right, um, we're going to see these chapters suddenly having a big resurgence. Which three of those would you pick?
1: oh you could just look at the recent tournaments i think this book doubled down on what was good it just rearranged what they can pick right like we lost scouts so now we're gonna have to pick some real troop choices we can't just you know throw away 70 points so we can pick what's good um but we're gonna see white or white scars they're they're still as good as they've ever been uh imperial fists got even better with Heavy Intercessors and um, even more Bolt guns all over the table, or things with the keyword Bolt. Uh, I think, you know, Salamanders used to rule the world, but those days might be behind us. I still I still love them, and I still love Iron Hands, but they're. I don't think they're as good as they used to be. They still have the best stratagems in the game, but the, they, they lost a lot of what made them the best. And... I have to be loyal, I wish I wish, Ultramarines were the best chapter in the world, but uh, <laughs> I don't think we're going to see that day for a little bit.
0: So, like, you're thinking the, the big ones going forward are going to be Scars, Fists, and then either an- one of the two angels, Blood Angels or Dark Angels?
1: Um, I'd pick Blood Angels, Blood Angels
0: all the way. There we okay. go. Alright, uh, next thing I want us to chat about, since I, like I said, I don't think we see a whole lot of Librarian stuff around. Now, in the past, I think that was kind of uh, the main reason we didn't see Librarians was because their discipline, their Psychic Discipline, kind of sucked, especially compared to a lot of the newer stuff coming out. Like, the chapter-specific powers were really good, but, like, the core book ones were kind of awful. And now we're seeing an adjustment that the, the main disciplines are really changing. So, like, uh, no Zone, Psychic Fortress, especially Psychic Fortress, huge new change to these guys um what would it, it what what's the difficulty on it
1: uh it's Psychic like for just six it's crazy
0: it's only a six and it gives you a five up Invul bubble around the guy
1: yeah so we've seen auras go to be like oh well you can only select one unit but this is one of those auras where it's everything and on the subject of null zone, you actually pointed out to me, null zone is everything, including you. Oh. So you, your squads, everything around them, your Gulliman loses his involve. So you gotta be careful with null zone if you're gonna take it.
0: Yeah, that 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 almost sounds like it could hurt, end up hurting you more than it hurts your opponent, unless it's against the perfect opponent. But with selecting your powers in advance, you're just not gonna really do that. So like pretty much null zone. Null Zone, I think, is kind of out.
1: Yeah, I think that's a last-pick sort of thing. It used to be really good. Um, you could basically eliminate key armies with it. But uh, now that it's like everything gets affected, it might be FAQ'd uh, because there are FAQs for this book coming. I almost guarantee it. But we'll see. You know, we'll see how that shapes out. Any other Overall, psychic stuff that really changed? Took Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, Librarians took a hit, like you said, because we have to pick everything on our sheet. So they used to be a toolbox, but now you can only shoo- show up
0: with the tools that you bring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're thinking pretty much kind of what I was thinking there. The chaplains are going to rule the roost, Librarians, even though, like, that... like fortress power is super powerful, and if you build for it, it'll be really great. But at the same time you can't get those extra victory points and if somebody's got a like a, a farseer or they get some close termagons to you that is like well you're you're in the shadow now of the warp and so you're at penalties and somebody uses the Chronos stratum on you and you only get one dice on it rather than two you're suddenly really at at a detriment so it's almost like do you are you sure you want to take this it's amazing but if you take it it sounds like you're really opening yourself up
1: well, I was that guy who had Iron Father Pharaohs for all of 9th edition, right? And remember, like, we're space marines. When we're sitting in cover, we have a 2-up save. So a 5-up invol means that they would have to have AP minus 4 when they're shooting at you. And that's not as common as you might think. So, you know, AP 2, AP 1, you're really, like, working off of your normal armor save anyway. It's, it's great, but it's it, it's situational. Like, even Iron Father Pharaoh's buff, I didn't find I was using it as much as I, I needed to. Normal armor saves, like Space Marines, have ridiculous armor to begin with.
0: Yeah, so it's like, it, this would be insane power in any other force. In this force, maybe it's just not doing enough to, to, to change bringing them.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like you give orcs like that custom force field, or you give Gene Stealer called an aura five up invul. Now we're talking.
0: I would kill. I would. I would honestly, actually, I would. Someone could say Davis. You know, you want a five up invul for your whole army as an aura. Go, go, take care of this guy. It's tempting. No, I feel you. <laughs> you,
1: you would first convert his genes over to Gene Stealer called, then kill
0: him. <laughs> All right. um... All right, a few things left. Uh, The other one I really want to talk about, just because I think a lot of people are, they're trying to wrap their heads around this. And it is a big thing. We're not going to, we're not seeing the full reach of this change yet. But this is the first main codex. This and Necrons are the first main codex we're finding out about this change and seeing how it's being implemented. The core keyword. It was really a surprise when I saw it previewed. And now we actually have our books in front of us and we can actually see what it does um and i don't i think i don't what are your thoughts on this first
1: so an interesting point uh gulliman's aura of six inches affects core and characters so gulliman supersedes this no matter what he's better than every other character he can still buff them (laughs) but in general our aura buffs now only encapsulate core units, so we lost our re-rolls on our characters and most of our vehicles, and I say most because dreadnoughts are core. So we thought it was going to be a huge nerf, we thought like, oh crap, only troop choices, only things with obsec are core. But when you really look at it, and you look at every competitive list that's been you know winning tournaments that's reported on frontline gaming their entire list is core
0: yeah the only one we don't really know about yet are those forge roll dreadnoughts if they're going to be changed over legally right now they aren't
1: yeah so the idea of smash captains like ruling the day is gone because like they don't re-roll for themselves they don't uh have all of the buffs they used to get they can't fight twice anymore because we lost that stratagem
0: well uh, you didn't can't... lose it but yeah it's very different
1: well so the f- we'll talk about stratagems but yeah yeah smash captains are very like uh, uh nerfed a little bit but yeah for core um our entire army gets the buff anyway if we're playing gravis armor if we're playing intercessors if we're playing
0: dr- a dread-
1: 10 dreadnoughts in our army well, everything gets the buff anyways.
0: Yeah. So the way I'm kind of looking at it, now that we kind of have these things in front of us, I think that Games Workshop is trying to use core kind of like how they said they they really, like they were saying it, you know, in the Games Workshop way of like, oh, we want it to show off the main fighting style of an army. I don't think it's quite, quite that. I think it's, um, this is a way that they have to try to help guide the direction that an army fights in. And I think with Space Marines, it seems kind of like they want to say, hey, we really, really, really want to see you playing games mostly with Space Marine Infantry. And if you use those Space Marine Infantry, they're going to have all these buffs and they're going to be really awesome. Whereas other factions are going to do things a little different, kind of like Necrons. Not a whole lot of their stuff is core and they have other kinds of buffs that affect other subsets so it's like well it's not core but it is destroyer cult or it is um canoptic or or it is something like that where space Marines, it's like no your your whole army so long as you're all infantry and so they're kind of the heavy elite infantry army and that i think is kind of the direction that they're going in on that and it it works with a lot of their stuff right now but it's like but they, they kind of want to say, yeah, the way things are right now, we want that.
1: Well, it's kind of like a, you're exactly right, where they made a rule to fit the way ninth edition is supposed to be played, where you're moving up the board, it's mid-range, struggling for the midfield, pushing into the backfield. And with the way that objectives are and secondaries are... Core actually, if you build your army around core, you're going to have a better game of Ninth edition. So what they did, they, they targeted and removed the play style of, I'm going to sit in my back corner and shoot you off the board, and my entire tank line is going to get a reroll aura, which isn't an interesting way to play for your opponent or for you. And it doesn't play 9th edition very well. You could have the shootiest army in the world, and I
0: could outscore you every day of the week. That's it. So, I, I agree. I, th- I think that's, that's a... I like the way that they kind of did that. Um, and I also like, specifically with the Marines, having so much stuff being core, I think it's also really good. Like, I know everyone always say that Space Marines are the intro army, and I kind of felt like that they really went away from that with all the ways that, you know, in previous editions, Space Marines always got the first Codex, but then they always got all these other little releases along the way, right? Just because the first Codex is almost always underpowered in an edition. Um, And then, so they often kind of like, they started good, and then they just got weaker and weaker, except for these little buffs that they got all the time, but it just never really would keep up with them. Well, I find this time it's like, hey, we're gonna start Marines at a really high place. Because then as we release these other things, they should stay at a higher place. But also, with the whole army being core, there's not really going to be a bad way to get into the army for a new player that they're going to feel like really left out. Whereas all those other armies, like Necrons that we're seeing, there are these other ways that you kind of got a plan for building them. and we're, So it's kind of giving the, helping people that start out the game have an easy way into rerolls. And an easy way into auras and how those things all interact whereas for other armies there they're going to be fine saying no no you you got to work a little bit harder at it you're still going to get really cool stuff like we're seeing with the necrons i got a lot of cool stuff i'm going to have to do a whole one of these with a necron player at some point but it's definitely a lot more challenging at the list creation stage and for what you plan to buy
1: well, so that's the thing, right? Is you have to look at it from a business standpoint, too. 60% of their sales, every one of their box sets that they release is half Space Marines. You know, they have to make this army pretty good, or more than half of their, their player base that buy from them all of these models is going to just rage and, and be mad. And, and you know, we're going to have a 7th edition all over again where everyone hates the edition. Right. But Space Marines, one thing Tabletop Titan said about them, and I, I thought this was really good, they have a very low or sorry, a very high floor. So jumping into the army, almost anyone could do good with them. They're not very hard to pilot. They're very un, or they're very forgiving. Good armor, good guns, not a lot of models, so they're pretty easy to paint up. They're an elite army. But if you want to take them to that next level and really figure, on, figure out the nuances of what is like the best combination, which is what some of the higher end players do, their ceiling is just through the roof where, like if you play Eldar, they're a very unforgiving army. If you're bad at playing them, you get taken off the table in two or three turns every game. And Skari with Drukhari, he, he would agree. Like, if you play Dark Eldar and you're bad at them, you'll lose every game, every <laughs> game, all the time. But oh, yes. Space Marines can go toe-to-toe with any other army at any other competitive player level. And I, I really like that about them, that they're an all-comers army. Anybody could pick them up and try playing.
0: Yeah, and so that's that's what I really like with this core change, is that it's like you can pick up kind of a random assortment of units, and because that... If you pick up stuff that looks Space Mariney, right, and kind of fits their regular play style, they're going to play Space Mariney because they're all core. Whereas for other stuff, it's like, well, they're not necessarily going to do that. And I, I think that's a good, I think that's a good difference between them and others.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and we really saw that all those old units that are collecting dust are now viable again. So, oh, yeah. you know like even new players if you want to go out and buy like if you're like i don't have a lot of money i want to buy some terminators because i can field like 20 terminators for a thousand points (laughs) that's actually a pretty good army like 20 terminators is pretty spooky nowadays
0: you know i think that's a perfect lead-in to our next thing we're going to talk about some big buffs and big nerfs that we've seen in, in this codex um i'm gonna I, I overall i think that we saw more nerfs than buffs so i'm gonna start off with that um and you said you were gonna have a really interesting thing to say about this so let's go right off the bat uh, and i think right. this is this is probably the so biggest one
1: Off like you know the various nerfs and buffs we were chatting about
0: yeah but, uh, but the biggest one that's it so aggressors i got it i gotta say it. just because every time i say it it makes it a little more real and i play a horde army so aggressors have been haunting my nightmares for uh, years now, aggressors only shoot once now, and they don't get the bonus of always counting standing still. So, yeah, yeah. that's a huge. So
1: I, I actually don't think that that's as scary as a buff as, or a nerf as everybody thinks. I'm actually more upset about the the I ignore advancing penalties to advance on the it, the um, eradicators. But so, Aggressors, the way I typically played them is they were one of my screening units who moved up and tried to get into close combat every turn, right? So, or I was coming in from tactical reserves with my Flamestorm Aggressors, they count as moving that turn, and they didn't get to shoot twice anyway. It was only like turn three, maybe turn four, where I'm like, okay, I don't need to move them. I can, I can just fire twice at something, or I'm going to Auspex scan with them. I get to fire twice at you. So it's not like every turn I got to fire twice anyway. It was only like a rare occurrence where it would happen. Now, I did play Ultramarines a little bit, and they sort of cheesed that rule where like turn three and turn four, we just shoot a billion times. But so in the way that aggressors play, and the stratagems they gave us to buff aggressors... I actually don't think it's that bad. Because of their playstyle, you want to get up the board. You want to be moving almost every turn and get them into close combat with their power fists. You want to jump in from tactical reserves and flame the crap out of something. So the way that they actually played on the table didn't take advantage of that mo- shoot-twice ability as often as people might think. Because you couldn't. they're 18 inches, you can't park them in your back line and think, I'm getting... You know 60 shots on something every turn that's just not how they played
0: now maybe that has to do with the kinds of opponents i'm wondering that that you played against, because i i think every single time i've ever played against them granted i mostly have been playing gene stealer cult and tyranids i can't think of a time that they didn't shoot twice like, I think maybe once. I think I, I there was one shooting phase out of all the times I've ever played against them on the table. There was a single shooting phase where a unit of aggressors didn't shoot twice.
1: Yeah, but you, Gene Sealer Call just got punished hard by aggressors. And I think that's maybe why you felt so strongly. Because, like, first we off-spec scan you when you pop up, and then we shoot you twice. and then, So shoot me three times. <laughs> so we're going to Yeah. So Gene Sealer Cult or very very mobile armies that like to get up close were punished by aggressors um or overwatching into them you got punished really hard but
0: in the way that they play and we got against other opponents that, uh, you could put a
1: buff basically giving everybody or one squad each combat doctrine for a turn now you want to get them in close combat so you're going to run up advance shoot and then the next turn run up shoot charge and you're right in there, hitting with bonus AP to all of your shots.
0: So that was actually going to be my other... The, the first big buff I was going to say is that that stratagem that lets a unit count as having all the Doctrines active at once is incredible. And I own it. Okay, so some people might think maybe it's a little OP in some way. I don't, uh, I, I don't believe that. What I do think it does is it really kind of shines light on the stuff they want to be good in the edition like one of the things i love to say about 9th edition is for dreadnoughts which have another big buff i'm going we'll get to but not yet um in previous editions of the game a dreadnought or something that was kind of like a half and half model where it's like oh it's got this good shooting but not amazing good and it's got this good close combat but not amazing good and so you kind of were always being told only buy things that like you can fully invest into so like if you saw dread it was only ever either two combat weapons or two ranged weapons it was either the rifleman or it was like furioso right whereas now with ninth you're seeing a big opportunity for these classic models that most people built this way when they first started playing because they thought it looked cool of having one gun and one close combat weapon And being actually good at both now with ninth edition and this ability to be in all doctrines where it's like hey it it buffs your whole range so here are these things which normally you're only getting kind of a buff at a time now it's saying this is a buff to this whole model to all the time so go ahead go with something that is not built for one specific job but go ahead and build something fun for a bunch of different jobs and guess what it's going to be good
1: Oh, absolutely. I feel like this, that stratagem was built for Dreadnoughts, right? Like, Dreadnoughts got the buff, now we can move and shoot with no penalty. Well, now we get, um, we ignore one of the power of all of the things coming at us, and then now they're getting this buff, where, if you think about it, a Dreadnought actually has a heavy weapon, Usually. It has a rapid-fire weapon with that little storm bolter. Usually. And then it has a close combat weapon. Yeah. So it triples down on all of the the, the combat doctrines. So out of every unit, Dreadnoughts get buffed the most. I love so, that yeah, for I, this. I, I think we're going to see these, like, you know, 9 Dreadnought, 12 Dreadnought
0: lists. Especially the, the... I mean, that's the case, too, with the Redemptor Dreadnought, right? The new Primaris one. It's got the Gatling Cannon thing, which is heavy. It's got what what does it have that's rapid fire assault
1: uh i think it, it can it take a flamer i think it can traditionally though it's gonna have only like t- so two heavy weapons and then a close combat Those yeah are like the best ones um uh, but let me double check but yeah like for the most part most of the other dreadnoughts will get all-around buff
0: but i can definitely see what you mean on that for the aggressors like maybe they kind of lose out on the heavy thing because i don't think any of their weapons are heavy or maybe i'm wrong on that um i don't again i'm not a space home player
1: oh no you're right i lied so the redemptor does still have frag storm launchers or a storm bolter which is like rapid fire and assault so even the redemptor has one of each type of weapon so that stratagem buffs it for all three phases.
0: That's really cool. I, I think that I think that is really a great thing for it. All right, back to the nerf side. Um, there is one nerf uh, other than ing- aggressors that I think has kind of hung over almost all space Marine players. and kind of as a point of dread because there I remember when I first played uh, with Harlequins and Eldar and gaining the fly keyword from beforehand and I suddenly had this new ability to just kind of go anywhere on the table, kind of do anything. It was like some it was like I had spent my whole game playing career of 15 plus years, same as like long just at least as long as yourself. like I had been in shackles this whole time and suddenly had them removed and now I could go anywhere. And that's how like these different transports that had fly must have felt. And now you've suddenly had the shackles put back on, Impulsors, repulsers, uh, um, ex- uh, i don't know—all the different pulsers. <laughs> they yeah, all exactly. now have lost fly.
1: The whole line, yeah, that's actually a subtle change. They they lost their repulsor field and they lost fly. So those triple repulsor lists are are pretty dead. Uh, Impulsers on the board, so they lost. their their end of all save is only a 5 plus now. They lost Fly so, like people don't realize maybe because of how, I put a post actually up about this, about how important terrain is and to play ninth edition terrain, not your old 8th edition terrain. Because, like, Obscuring, which is every piece of runes, should have the Obscuring keyword. Now, Impulsors can't move through it. They have to move around
0: it. It, 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 people do not realize especially i mean people very soon will i think um just how much extra how many extra inches how much freedom of movement the fly keyword gave you impulsors are still wicked fast like their movement hasn't gone down but actually having to use movement to actually go around a piece of terrain especially the bigger the model the more movement you use to make, to get around a corner is it's staggering it is staggering yeah so
1: one thing I used to do uh, is you know you fly your units up and you move blocks